I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. President Obama unveiled the details of his $215 million precision medicine initiative, the centerpiece of which is a one-million-person study that seeks to correlate genetic data with health records, lifestyle information, and more to better understand wellness and disease and fuel the development of new therapies. We spoke to Amy Miller, Executive Vice President of the Personalized Medicine Coalition, about the initiative, if the funding for it will match its ambition and whether concerns about privacy will stand as a barrier to its success. Amy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. President Obama has unveiled his Precision Medicine Initiative, a call for investment of $215 million in fiscal 2016. He's called this a bold new research effort to revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease how bold an effort is this? Put it into context for us. Personalized medicine has made a lot of in ways how we treat oncology and cancer. And ultimately, the goal of personalized medicine is the prevention of disease. Since that is the focus of the president's initiative, I would agree with him. This is bold. Well, let's walk through the proposal. The largest, and I'd argue most compelling part of the initiative is the creation of a one million person cohort for the NIH to study the genomes, microbiomes, health records, and a list of other data to unlock correlations that will provide new understandings of, of wellness and disease and, and lead to new precision medicine treatments. Let's start with the money, $130 million. Even in the world of a $1,000 genome, this seems like it's not going to get us very far. Is this realistic? What's it going to take? While I don't know exactly what it's going to take, it's important to remember this is for one budget year, 2016. So it's a very good start to get the planning underway for such a momentous project. Well, I, I think of the Human Genome Project and the race Francis Collins found himself in with Craig Venter. Is the government setting itself up for a race against private industry, which may have more of a willingness to pony up the money necessary to do something like this? And, and if so, do, do we risk on losing out on, on the benefits that the governments are trying to create? That's an interesting question. And I have two different thoughts on that concept. We have in the United States a history of deep, rich, longitudinal, large cohort data that changes our perception of healthcare. Thinking about the Framingham Heart Health Study, think about um, the long-term nurses study. We learn a lot about healthcare from those long-term projects. So we do have a history to build on. Furthermore, Dr. Collins himself has a history of very large projects that change the world. And yes, he faced competition from industry. I fully expect this project to have competition from industry. We know that a lot of different privately held organizations are doing amazing genomics research. 
Some of them are working in concert together, are working with educational institutions, are working in various public-private partnerships. And so there is a lot of very interesting work going on out there. But I think that Dr. Collins and the president have a very interesting idea that if done right, could serve us well long into the future. Well, the president does envision this to be a public-private partnership of sorts, and that being critical to the effort. Any sense on the role he expects industry or academia to play? That's the known unknown. (laughs) We know that there's a million veterans project to collect the genome of a million veterans. We know, like I said, there are already public-private partnerships collecting genomic information. And we're also aware of some very public uh, genome sequencing companies that have data and, you know, one company making it public so that researchers can look at that data. If this project seeks to harness all of those resources, all of that learning, and frankly, all of those research participants we already have, it could be an amazing step to that one million number, which is a big number, but it could be a significant head start. Uh, The other benefit of that is when when these uh, data sets are held by this entity, that entity, or a, a partnership, it's not as accessible to a qualified researcher as if it is organized by the federal government. And so I think that could be another role for this project that could serve us well. Now, the president is also calling for a $5 million investment to protect privacy and ensure secure data exchanges of, of healthcare data. How much of a concern do you think privacy is? Will, will it be a batter, barrier to getting to 1 million people to participate in the precision medicine research? There are a few different ways to look at privacy. One, we know from the community of con, uh, concerned activists in disease state that when they're sick or their child's sick or their loved one is sick, they want answers, and they are willing to um, take their data and give it to those who can help solve their problem. So they have a very different take on on privacy and security. But we also have a rich nation of data privacy security experts, and I suspect the ONC will be looking to those partnerships to making sure this data is private and secure. Um, And we also have to ask ourselves when we're making a personal decision, if we want to participate in a research project like this, are we secure with the safety of our data to the extent it's possible? And are we concerned about what someone can do with this data if they had access to it? It's a question we have to ask ourselves when we agree to participate in any types of research, including this kind. Well, is it time we go beyond GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, and address some of the things that that law failed to address? I'm glad you mentioned Gina. I'm still surprised how few people know about it. So if you don't mind, I'll just give the top level um, bill. It's a bill, a law to protect individuals from having their genomics information used against them in employment or health insurance. So an employer can't decide to hire or fire you based on genomic information And also, your health insurance company can't make your premiums higher or um, deny you health coverage because of your genetic information. Um, The protections that don't exist are for long-term care and disability insurance. Um, And also, members of the military are excluded from protections under DINA. 
So there are some gaps, but I think it covers quite a bit of territory. And to our knowledge, we haven't heard about a lot of um, uh, a lot of concerns from those trying to get long-term health care or um, other insurance products. It hasn't been an issue so far. Well, the initiative also calls for $70 million to the National Cancer Institute to scale up efforts to identify genomic drivers in cancer and apply that knowledge in the development of more effective approaches to cancer treatment. The advances in precision medicine to date have largely come in the area of cancer, and there's a lot of money going into those efforts in this area already. What's this going to do, and is it the best place for the government to invest? We have seen tremendous inroads in cancer, and we have seen a lot of very interesting biomarker research. So again, building on that success and harnessing all of that information that we have known, and also looking at some of the more and more um, smaller indications and sub-cohorts of cancer could be the appropriate role of the NCI. It's possible NCI researchers will look at um, areas of cancer that private industry might not see um, a, an ultimate payoff for. And then we also have to remember just the role of um, pure science in driving larger successes uh, in healthcare. And so I think that um, NCI can easily build off of the tremendous successes we've already seen in oncology. Well, the president's initiative also calls for $10 million to the FDA to acquire additional expertise and advance the development of high-quality curated databases to support the regulatory structure needed to advance innovation in precision medicine and protect public health. How good a job has the FDA done at keeping pace with industry in terms of advances in precision medicine, and, and how meaningful a step does this represent? I like this part of the president's proposal probably the best for a few reasons. FDA's staff has been long committed to personalized medicine. We've seen that in how quickly the approvals for targeted oncology treatments have gotten to market through the FDA. That's been really impressive. Dr. Hamburg has always been a strong advocate for personalized medicine. She's been a strong advocate for regulatory science and a strong advocate for making sure innovative products get to patients. They, staff at FDA has also said, we know that genomics is taking a bigger role in new drug applications. We know deep sequencing data is going to be coming to us. We know we're going to have to have some regulatory rules around this space, and we know that is a near future that we need to tackle. And this is the president's way of saying, you're right, and so here are the resources you need to build that in-house capacity. It's a great step. Well, there was another major development besides the release of the President's Precision Medicine Initiative. A draft of the 21st Century Cures Act is now circulating. Without going too deep into that legislation, how well does it address longstanding concerns about precision medicine, particularly when it comes to the issue of how and who will regulate so-called laboratory-developed tests, or LDTs, which are really a centerpiece of precision medicine? Absolutely. Laboratory-developed test regulation has been a topic of contention and concern for well over a decade. 
the 21st Century Cures Bill, aside from looking at regulatory improvements, is also looking at all the different kinds of policies that might improve the landscape for personalized medicine. So research is the first step. The regulatory process is the second step. So we need to solve those uh, conundrums in regulatory policy. But then finally, we need good payment policy, too, that's going to support the development of these products in the future. So in 2007, Senator Barack Obama co-sponsored the Genomics and Personalized Medicine Act of 2007 and spoke about the need for federal leadership to realize the promise of personalized medicine. I think some of us expected him to do something like this a lot sooner, but how good a job has the government done in, in advancing precision medicine? There's more work to be done, to be clear. Uh, the bill he authored with Senator Burr in 2007 uh, did look at regulatory reform, did look at coordination between different agencies under the Health and Human Services umbrella. And I think if we look currently at the Cures Bill and then what Senator Burr is interested in now, we see all of that coming together. You're right. We're really proud of the president for taking leadership in personalized medicine when he was a senator, and we are extremely proud that he is again taking up that mantle of science and innovation and the improvements in patient care that it offers. We're also quite pleased that both the House and the Senate recognize that Research is the first step, but there's a lot of other policy levers that need to be pulled or at least tweaked in order to get to that ultimate future of prevention through personalized medicine. Well, one thing that's happened since then has been this change in terminology, the, the loss of personalized medicine out to the idea of precision medicine, a move that's been going on for several years. Do you see any meaningful difference between these two terms? And are we going to see the Personalized Medicine Coalition someday become the Precision Medicine Coalition? That's uh, a question we've been asked many times. Um, we don't really see the difference. We define personalized medicine as an evolving field where molecular diagnostics is used to determine which treatments work best for which patients. And combining that data from those tests with an individual's medical history, circumstances, values, we can get to targeted prevention and treatment plans. That's our definition of personalized medicine, and it fits perfectly well with the Precision Medicine Initiative of the president. Amy Miller, Executive Vice President of the Personalized Medicine Coalition. Amy, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Danny. A few housekeeping notes. Over on our sister podcast, Rarecast, tune in to hear Hudson Fries, Director of the Human Genetics Program at Sanford Burnham Medical Institute, discuss why raising awareness for rare disease is critical to increasing support for research and improving diagnoses. Then starting February 13th, you can hear Andrew Sue, Associate Professor in the Department of Molecular and Experimental Medicine at the Scripps Research Institute, discuss his efforts to accelerate drug development through his Mark to Cure crowdsourcing project that seeks to enlist citizen scientists to read through biomedical journals to help researchers find connections and identify discoveries in one area that may shed light on another. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.